Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at court.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit Cora.org. We hope you enjoy this message. As we continue in worship, I invite you to hear these words of scripture. Our first passage today is from Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And from Psalm 103, verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of scripture. a lot of dreams for you. I want you to know Christ. I want you to follow him. I want you to live as people, but I also want you to live a blessed life, right? And it all goes together. I want you to live a blessed life. The idea of being blessed in the Bible is a big idea. Over 600 times we find the word blessed, blessing, or bless throughout scripture. And I want to teach you a Hebrew word real quick. Uh, This is the word that is usually translated, in fact, almost always translated as blessed or blessed or blessing, some version of that in the Hebrew Bible. The word is barak, Barack. Now, yes, that's the first name of our, one of our previous presidents, but long before it was his first name, it was a Hebrew word that means, well, it's typically, as I've said, translated as bless or blessed or blessing. It's some variation of those. But the actual Hebrew word means knee, which is kind of surprising. It means knee and the verb form of it means to kneel. And so this, you know, this word, this Hebrew word, and, I, and actually I want you to say it with me if you would on the count of three, I want you to say it out loud because I want you to remember it. One, two, three, Barack. Right? Okay, so Barak, knee, blessed. What's the connection between a knee and kneeling and being blessed? And we're gonna see that today. But what I want you to understand is that in the Bible, there is this rhythm or dance that leads to a blessed life. I want you to have a blessed life. And I want you to understand what that looks like within the scriptures. So here are the three movements of living in a blessed life, the dance or the rhythm of blessedness. The first one is that God blesses us. So God blesses us. The second one is that we then, in return, bless God. And the third is that we are called by God to be a blessing to other people. So let's say those again. We'll just notice God blesses us. So we're blessed by God. We bless God in return, and we, in turn, seek to be a blessing to other people. When we live this rhythm, we find blessedness. So let's start with the idea that we're blessed by God. So you can live your life. There are many people who live their lives thinking, you know, they sort of take everything for granted. They take the people in their lives for granted. They take the world around them for granted. They air that they breathe for granted. 
And I take life for granted. I mean, we just happen to be here on this amazing planet and it's, it's all ours to use or abuse. And, and so we don't really think about the fact that we're blessed. The idea of blessing signifies that something's an undeserved gift. It's like grace, something we don't really deserve, but we have it anyway. But if you're not seeing life as a gift, you know, you're gonna live one form of existence. If you, if you understand biblical faith, you're gonna say, you know what? There's a God who created everything, who, who then formed in this, you know, this, this planet uh, in our solar system that could support life, sustain life. And, and then over billions of years, you know, created the capacity for there to be water and, and an atmosphere that we could breathe and, and bringing forth life forms and, and, and then giving us as human beings, you know, a sun that warms our planet, air that we can breathe that, that's produced by the plants that, that absorb our, our carbon dioxide. And, and then, you know, water and, and all of the food that we have and, and, and then creating us as human beings with the capacity to love, to reason, to ask questions, to be curious, to long for meaning in our lives, to be in relationship with each other. That, that that same God sought to bless us by coming to us in Jesus, showing us love and forgiveness and grace and, and all of these things. And, and it's all a gift. Every part of it's a gift. And, and so we recognize that God has blessed us, right? And life is blessed. And so we wake up every day knowing that, recognizing that. I, I think about how in scripture, James 1.17 says this, every good gift Every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights. Now, this idea that, that all of the blessings flow from God is captured in the doxology, which many of you grew up learning and singing in church. And if you know it, sing it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, and so, you know, we recognize God is the source of all blessings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So what's the connection between God blessing us and kneeling? Remember the word Barak, kneel? Well, here's the connection. Is in scripture, the idea is that the God of the heavens, the God who created everything, you know, humbles himself and, and, and descends to our planet, bows down to our planet, you know, bows to us, comes to us, kneels to come to us. I mean, I love this imagery of God, you know, condescending himself, descending, you know, to us. And we see that preeminently, we see that throughout the Hebrew Bible, we see it in particular in the Gospels when, when Paul tells us in Philippians that God humbled himself in Jesus and became a servant, took the form of a servant, right, and, and gave his life for us. We see this at the Last Supper when Jesus, in this beautiful image, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. He's on his knees washing his feet. He's, he's taking the role of a servant to bless them. He's going to hang on the cross and he's going to give his life for his people. So this is what God has done for us. And, uh, and there is a book that was written by a man named Douglas Webster. Douglas Webster wrote a devotional about this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and he called it the God who kneels. The God of the universe kneels, condescends to come to us and to bless us. When I think about this and what it looks like, I think about uh, how photos are sometimes, you know, worth a thousand words. Take a look at this photograph, and it paints a picture for me in this mother getting it on her knee on her knees for her little infant daughter or toddling daughter. Uh, you know, this picture of the love of God for us, or this photo, this next photo, which captures a father who is preparing his son to go to school that day and getting on his knees as he's caring for his son. And this is what God does for us. I think about Hosea chapter eleven. And in Hosea 11, God speaks of, of his love for Israel. And he says this, he says, I led them with bands of human kindness, with cords of love. I treated them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. So we recognize that God bends down to feed us, that God kneels to take care of us, that God blesses us. That's the first movement 
of living a blessed life is that God has blessed us and we accept that as a gift and we're grateful for it every day. All right, the second movement of blessedness and living a blessed life is that we in turn bless God. So 79 times throughout scripture, we read these words, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. How do we bless the Lord? We know he blesses us, but how do we bless him? That's a great question, but it's not that hard to figure out. And again, it ties into kneeling. Here's a photograph of a child who was kneeling in church. And as this child is kneeling and looking up at the cross, there's just something beautiful about this imagery of what we do when we bless God. And this is why in scripture, the idea, you know, so, so when we are uh, kneeling before God in prayer or when we are worshiping God, you know, it's all kind of caught up together. So Psalm 95, six says this, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I love that for he is our God and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Again, the word kneel here is Barak. It's this idea of, of blessing God by what we do. Can you imagine that, that God is blessed when you talk to God? God is blessed when you pray. God is blessed when you're reading scripture, when you're studying, when you're seeking to do God's work, God's will in your life. In all of these ways, when you yield yourself to God, and by the way, kneeling is a, is a posture of yielding. It's submission. And so in the midst of yielding our submission, you know, God is blessed by that. And I will tell you, and we're gonna talk more about this in a moment, that one of the ways in which we bless God and honor God and worship God is through our offerings. So the earliest acts of worship in the Bible were not people singing songs. There was no choir or orchestra or anything else. There was, it was simply people bringing their offerings to God. They would make an altar. They would take their grain, a portion of the grain that they, had, that they had harvested. They would give to God as a way of saying, we recognize all of this is a gift from you. And so we return a portion of it to you. Or if they had flocks, you know, that one out of every 10 of their lambs they would bring and offer it to God as a way of saying, you know, we recognize all of these lambs that were born this year were born because of you ultimately. They're a gift from you. And so we give you back one of the 10. And this idea of tithing then continues, we find in scripture. Abraham is one who ultimately ends up starting the practice of giving one-tenth. He was out in battle and war and there were all of these, you know, kings who'd come against him and God gave him the victory. And at the end, you know, he said he wanted to praise God in some way. He wanted to bless God for the blessing that he felt God had been for him. And he takes a tenth of the spoils and he takes it to a priest named Melchizedek, who was the priest of God most high. And he says, you know, I'm gonna present this to God through you because God has blessed me. And so we were blessed and then we seek to bless God. This is the rhythm of our lives. That leads to uh, what happens next. And that is the call to bless other people. So Abraham, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm going to, well, let me just read it to you. This is our scripture for the day. I will make of you a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, five times in two verses, the word blessing shows up in one form or another. And God is saying, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna make your, and later he'll say, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But all of those blessings that I'm gonna give to you come with an expectation. So listen again to this, these words. In fact, you might read them with me. God says to Abraham, I will bless you. And let's just say this slowly. So that you will be a blessing. Like this is a fundamental rhythm of our lives. We receive the blessings of God and receive everything as a blessing from God, the, the good things in our lives. We in turn seek to bless God, but then we also recognize that his blessings come with the expectation that we would be a blessing to others. The way that God works in the world primarily is through people. We seek to be a blessing to other people. We do that with our words, with our actions, with our love, with our kindness, with our generosity. In all of these ways, we are called to be a blessing. This is a fundamental idea of what it means to be human. You were blessed not so that you could just consume it all yourself, have it all yourself, you know, enjoy it all yourself. You were blessed in order to be a blessing. 
And I love how Jesus says it. He says, too much is given, much more is expected. We are meant to be in this rhythm of receiving and giving blessings. So I want to give you a picture of what that looks like. Uh, Two of our children here at Resurrection who figured this out, Addison and Annie. So Addison turned nine just a month or so ago, a month or two ago, and in her ninth birthday, she decided she would invite all of her friends for a birthday party, but she told them all, do not bring me any presents. I want you to bring diapers. She'd heard that the Bishop Sullivan house here in Kansas City was short of diapers and that they're low-income people and they didn't have money to buy diapers for their kids and the center where they usually got diapers didn't have enough diapers. And so she said to all of her friends, please just bring me diapers. That's what I want to do. I want to collect a thousand diapers to give to children who are in need. And you know, she got to her birthday party, she got over 800, but then the, the you know, diapers continued to come in. This last week, she delivered over 2,000 diapers to the Bishop Sullivan Center here in the Kansas City area. How awesome was that? And then there was a little girl named Annie. She's only five, so Addison's nine. Annie turned five, but she knew that there were children who needed diapers, and there were people who, you know, who didn't have the finances to buy them, and, and they go to our Overland Park location, her and her parents, and, and they knew about our food pantry there and that we were short of diapers, and so for her birthday, this is what she asked for for her presents. She wanted diapers to give to, ch- to children whose families couldn't afford diapers. Here's pictures of these two girls. That's Addison on the left and there's Annie on the right and I want you to notice them and I want you to notice their faces. Do they look sad to you? They don't look sad to me. They look blessed to me. That's what blessing looks like. When you become a blessing to somebody else, you find the blessing returns to you. The joy comes to you. And so we find this dance or this rhythm of blessedness. God blesses us and we recognize that. We pause to recognize it and see how blessed we are, how fortunate we are. We count our blessings. Then we seek to bless God in return with praise and thanksgiving, our offerings and And then we seek to bless other people and the blessings come back again and again and again. Here's the rhythm. God blesses us. We bless God. We seek to be a blessing to others. All right, that leads me to our annual stewardship campaign. So every fall, we ask our members to return a stewardship card, a commitment card. And we ask you to pray about it, to think about it, to grow in the grace of giving. And we want you to be able to fill out that card. It allows us to plan for the ministries and programs of the church for the coming year. But for you, I hope it's a spiritual act. It's a time to say, God, you know, I recognize everything I have is a gift from you. And I wanna return a portion of that to you to bless and honor you. And so a very sacred moment when you fill this card out. I don't want you to fill it out today. I'd like for you to fill it out uh, this week. So you can find them online at core.org slash next. And you can find that card. Please don't fill it out. Please don't return it today. We're gonna do that next week. It's commitment weekend next week. I'd like for you to think about it and pray about it this week. So as we think about that, I, when I became a Christian, I first learned about this idea of tithing, how Abraham had given a tenth of what he had to the priest at, at, uh, at Melchizedek, the priest Melchizedek, as a way of saying thank you to God. Then I learned how Jacob had his grandson had said, you know, God, if you'll be with me and you'll protect me and bring me back, you know, you'll be my God and I'll, you know, I'll be your servant. And God had already promised this to him. And he said, a tenth of everything I have, I'm going to give to you. There we go. His grandson begins tithing. And then we find when God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, while they were still in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, God said to, to Moses, tell the people that out of, out of their, you know, out of what I blessed them with, to bring back a tenth. And that tenth is gonna be their offering to me. It's gonna be their expression of gratitude for my deliverance of, their, of them from slavery in Egypt. But it's also gonna be used by the priests to, to make possible all the ministries that are gonna happen here. And so that rhythm of tithing continued all the way into the time of Jesus, all the way to the present time, and so this idea of giving our first tenth. Now, not everybody gives their first tenth. You know, it's, it, when we start as children and we grow into that as we're growing up, it's easier. But for some of us, we came to faith in Christ later in life. And so we never, you know, it's hard to start, you know, 
at that point. And so some people do, and some people say, I'm gonna start giving a percentage. I'm gonna give a portion of what I have, but I can't give the 10% yet, but I'm gonna grow towards that. I just want you to make that your goal in life is to get to the place where a 10th of what you have, you're giving back to God. And then that comes to the church, you know, churches everywhere and synagogues. And, and as that happens, then it's used for all the mission and ministry of the church. So everything that happens here at Resurrection in Kansas City, across the country and around the world happens because of your generosity. So when I was a kid, I asked my pastor, I came to faith in Christ at 14. I asked my pastor, you know, what am I supposed to give? He taught me this idea of tithing. I went back to my mom. I'm like, you know, I, I think I'm supposed to do this. And, and she said, great, let me give you a tool to help you. And so the tool that she gave me was three envelopes. And she said, with these envelopes, I want you to write on one of them, God. I want you to write on one of them, savings. And I want you to write on one of them, spending. So I did that. And she said, now, you know, at that time, I think my allowance might've been $10 a week. Maybe not even that, probably not even that much at the time. And she said, the first dollar that you have out of 10, I want you to put in the God envelope. And so she said, if you don't put that in first, and you wait to put it in last, it'll never be there. You'll spend, you know, you'll spend it on other things. So start making that your priority. So I began doing that. The first dollar went into the God envelope. The second dollar went into the savings envelope. And she said, save this because as it grows and adds up, you know, you're going to be able to use it for things that are important to you. And then she said, the last $8, you know, the rest of it, put in the, in the spending envelope and try not to spend it all, you know, in one week. Try to save some of it for the next week. And then you'll have a little more to spend that week. And, and, and this isn't just for you, but it's also when you want to help somebody else or, you know, take somebody out for a Coke or whatever, you know, that's for you. And I can tell you that that basic act changed the rest of my life and my relationship with finances. And so for Lavonomy, from the time we got married, our first tenth of what we made went to God. The second tenth went into savings. We didn't, weren't so good at that to begin with, but that was our, our goal. But the first tenth of God always happened that way. And then we used the rest to live on. And we made a decision that if we can't do the thing we want to do without giving our first tenth to God, we're not going to do that thing we want to do. We'll wait until we can afford to do that. And here's what happened in our lives. What we found is we were the ones who were blessed. We found in so many ways, and it's not like a quid pro quo where if you do this, you're going to get rich. No, it doesn't work that way. It's just that God sees what we were doing as, as two young poor people. You know, when we got married, we lived below the poverty level for a family of two that first year. But even as two young people, God saw what we were doing and putting him first in our lives. And there were blessings that came from that. And the money that we gave to the church was money that was being used for mission and ministry throughout the church's, you know, programs. And, and so we were both blessing God and blessing other people. And in response to that, God blessed us. I, I think of the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, you know, the, the challenge was that a lot of people at that time were thinking, you know, they, they weren't really doing this. And, and I'm going to tell you again, make it your goal to tithe. If you can't start there, then start somewhere. Give it a percentage though. Say, I'm going to give 3% or 4% or whatever it is and try to grow in the grace of tithing because you're going to find again, you're the one who's blessed. But here's what Malachi said. God spoke through Malachi and said, you know, many of you are robbing me. You're not bringing my portion into the storehouse. And in the process, in essence, they were robbing themselves. They were robbing themselves of the blessings. And listen to what he says. God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test. This is one of the few times God says, put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing what? An overflowing blessing. I told you to begin with that what I really want for you is to be blessed. I want you to know Christ and follow him and a whole lot of other things, but I want you to live the blessed life. And all of those are a part of that. And part of the blessings in our lives come when we become faithful, when it comes to our giving. So this week, I'm gonna invite you, and you're gonna find in our commitment card that there's two sides of it. One side says 2024 Annual Ministry Fund, and the other side says Generation to Generation Commitment. The Generation to Generation Commitment, we'll talk about in a second, but 
if you can't give to generation to generation without maintaining what you're doing in the ministry fund, don't give to generation to generation. Our annual ministry fund is the lifeblood of this church. It makes possible everything that we do. And we don't need renovated buildings or new buildings if we don't have the ability to have programs and ministries in them. So make that your priority. Decide that first. For Levonomy, that's a really simple calculation every year. We stop and we say, what do we anticipate our income is going to be next year? And the first 10% is going to go into our ministry fund tithe. And sometimes usually a little bit more than that, but at least that 10%. And so um, that is a blessing to us. And we have a chance to bless God and to bless other people through it. So I want to encourage you to pray about that. Fill out that part of your commitment card first this week. Next week, we turn them in. You'll be able to do that online or in person. Now, the next thing I want to talk about and just briefly begin to wrap this up is our Generation to Generation Capital Campaign. So I've been sharing over the last few weeks, our hope is to pass on the faith to future generations, to not be one of those churches that ages out and then suddenly you find no more children or youth, but to be a church that's investing in children and youth and young adults. And we are doing that and we're excited about that. And we're also caring for our older adults and everyone in between. And so we began to look at the projects here at the Leewood location and all of our locations have looked at their own projects. If you're a part of one of our other locations, Be sure to go online, take a look at that, look at the brochure that might've come to you this last week about what's happening at your location because I want you to make your pledge to that location, all right? But for those of you who who have some affiliation with the Leewood location, you know, we walked through some of the things we were doing. Let me just remind you of what they were. So this is is a renovated student center. This is our renovated student center, trying to create a worship space, a smaller space within a larger space, creating uh, 10 or nine classrooms up above or creating these spaces that's gonna be awesome. You know, you can't see it yet. It's not even fully designed, but all of the, you know, the neon lights and the textures, the walls, and just creating an awesome space for teenagers and a garage door that takes them outdoors. And this is gonna be a space where we hope to have a thousand teenagers a week in the year 2030 coming in here. This is the upstairs showing you the classrooms. This is currently where there are pool tables and we wanna have nine classrooms up there for our kids because we're short about nine classrooms right now for our students. This shows you creating this smaller room within the room. And uh, so we have a sense of intimacy when people gather for worship, but also plenty of places for recreation outside of that. You can see lighting, you can see, uh, you know, perforations in the walls and all kinds of things that they're working on right now to create an awesome space for our teenagers. This is the outdoor recreation space that, that we want to create. And this space is designed to be a kid magnet for teenagers, but also for children, for families, for, uh, you know, for young adults, and, and really for anyone else in the church. It'll be used by a variety of people. It's got a stage up front or, a, a, you know, a platform up front where we can have um, an LED screen that allows us to show movies on the lawn, uh, our band, our youth ministry programs happening out here and others. We've got tables and chairs and, and fire pits and, and AstroTurf where the kids can sit for watching movies or for worship, but they can also gather and play games on the lawn. There's a basketball court and, uh, and three uh, pickleball courts that can be used by a variety of ages throughout the week and a lawn for people to come and hang out on. There's a playground that's going out there that's designed for special needs children, youth, and adults, as well as for our teenagers and anyone else. And so this is the playground that we hope to build outside. I'll show you where our current Wesley Chapel is. I shared this last week. This is now going to be our counseling center. And so we're looking at people who come in. We already have 105 people a week coming in for counseling. We'd like to double that to over 200 people a week who are finding healing and help from depression, anxiety, from, you know, whatever the struggles might be for children's therapy and teenagers. And and so this is a part of our goals of reducing the number of suicides and bringing greater mental health uh, and through the church. And then our pastoral care office is over here in a small chapel here and turning the main body of the Wesley Chapel into the entryway into the student center, which is right here. And so we hope to do this. This is an image of what we're hoping to do there. Again, you may have seen these already. There's the chapel over here. There's the counseling center over here. That's the student ministries over here and the welcome center right out here. 
In order to do that, we also need to construct our permanent chapel. This has always been a part of our plan, but creating a new chapel, a permanent chapel, this is existing building that we have over here, and this is the space that it would go. And this begins to show you what that chapel would look like. Uh, natural, natural Kansas limestone, uh, natural daylight coming in, uh, a beautiful space. Uh, these are Douglas fir wood timbers in the ceiling and stone inside the walls. And a wonderful place you can begin to see how the day, daylight interacts with the, or the light interacts with the room. And so anyway, a beautiful place where we anticipate over the next, well, every year, we have two to 400 funerals. We'll have, we hope, 100 weddings a year. We have, you know, all kinds of things that happen there. 730 worship service, baptismal services, and young adults meet in there. And so we're creating a space that will be there for, we hope, hundreds of years that will have been an important sacred space for people long into the future. So this is giving you an idea as to what those projects were. I just want to remind you, if you're a part of our congregation, uh, you may have received the brochures in the mail, but you can find out more at core.org slash next. You can, you can look at all the plans for all the locations there. So when we look at this and we begin to think about this, this building plan, these renovations and additions here and at our other locations, we begin to ask, well, how do we pay for that? And I want you to know the way that this happens is what we call a capital campaign. That is where we invite our members to be able to pray about a special sacrifice they might make together in order to create those spaces or renovate those spaces. This is something we've done many times here at Resurrection. It's something that a lot of organizations use uh, in order to help people accomplish these kind of goals. We cannot fund building a new chapel and all these other things out of our regular operating, out of our tithes. Our tithes provide for the ministry and mission. Ordinary, you know, upkeep on the buildings, we, we pay for that out of, the, out of our ministry budget. So the idea of inviting people to give over and above their tithes to uh, make possible spaces that are sacred spaces comes all the way back from the Bible in, in Exodus chapter 25. And there, while the children of Israel are camped out by Mount Sinai, God tells them, I want you, Moses, to build for me a tabernacle, a tent of meeting that will be my house in your midst, my tent in your midst. And this will be a place for people to come and where I will meet them. And, uh, and so, and the ministry to the people from the priests would happen out of the space. And so God tells Moses, well, this is what he says. He says, uh, he says, tell the Israelites to take for me an offering from all whose hearts prompt them to give, you shall receive the offering for me. And the people brought things of value. They brought gold and silver and thread and fabric and material and dyes to be able to dye the materials and, you know, everything that was special gems, whatever they had that had value, they brought some of these things however they felt their hearts prompted them, they brought these things in order to build the tabernacle. And you know, they found great joy in that. They found excitement about building God's house. We often do renovations to our homes, new carpet or new appliances or whatever, but this was a chance to do something for and to really create at that time, God's house. Same thing happened in First Chronicles 29 when it came to the temple that was built by Solomon, the funds raised by David. Same thing happened in, in the time of Ezra where, where the temple was being rebuilt. And so the people were asked to give a special offering. That's exactly what we're doing here today. So I want us to think about this. And by the way, in Exodus 25, I love the story, the way it ends in chapter 36, I think it is, is the people brought more than enough. And so Moses had to tell the people, stop, don't bring any more. We're, you know, we've got it taken care of. And that's every pastor's dream when you have a capital campaign. Levon and I have been through every single capital campaign this church has had in its 33 year history. And we've helped at some of the locations as well. And uh, and so, you know, when you first start thinking about this, you think, oh gosh, I got to give more than what I'm already giving. And how am I going to do that? And then, uh, and then you start finding, well, you know what? There's actually ways I can do that. And then you begin thinking and experiencing the joy of sacrifice. And there is a joy in that. And then you see the joy of the impact that your sacrifice has made. So I want to tell you a couple stories of, of what we've done in the past and, and what we're doing in this campaign. Our first campaign was in 1993. 
I was, uh, we were, we made that year, I think I was 27 years old. Uh, we made $30,000 that year and we gave our first 10th to God. So we gave $3,000 of our $30,000 income to God. And we were doing this capital campaign. I'd never done one before. We had somebody helping us, a consultant. I said, you know, so how does this work? And he said, well, you and Levon are gonna have to pray about what your sacrifice is gonna be. And you're gonna have to tell the whole congregation. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I, I don't know how we're gonna give anything because, you know, we're living hand to mouth right now. And he said, no, pray about it. You'll find a way. And he said, there's three ways that most people give. Uh, on the one hand, they give from their regular income. And so the way they do that is because you're already spending your regular income is you start thinking about what are things that I'm currently doing that I'll stop doing in order to be able to give to something that matters more to me. And I thought, well, I know that's how we're gonna probably be giving. And so he said, that's one way. And he said, another way is to earn a little more income. So maybe you take on a part-time job or you do something else in order to generate a little bit more income. And so, you know, or you think about future pay increases or whatever else. And, and so you look at that. And then he said, the last way is through accumulated assets. Maybe it's stocks or savings or something. And I'm like, well, we don't have any of that. But, and, and I'm already working 60 hours a week. I don't know how I can take on any more in terms of jobs, but maybe there's something I can do or Levon can do. And, and uh, but he said, well, why don't you pray about it? So we prayed about it. And as we first started praying about it, you know, the only thing we could think of we could give up was going to McDonald's once a week with the kids. And we thought, well, we can do that. It's $10 a week. And so we can give $10 a week times, you know, 52 weeks times three years. And so $1,560. And we told the consultant that and he said, you know, that's good, but why don't you pray about it a little bit more? And I was a, kind of offended actually, like, okay, well, I guess I will. And, and uh, anyway, we, uh, we kept thinking about it and praying about it. And I had planned, so this was halfway in the year, and at the beginning of the next year, I knew I'd be getting a pay increase. The, in January that year, I'd gotten a $300 a month pay increase. And I thought, I think that's probably what I'll get again this next year. And, and so I'd been planning on getting a new car, not a new car, but a new used car. The car that I was driving was a bit of a rust bucket. And so um, Levon had gotten the latest new used car. And so it was gonna be my turn. And I thought, well, between insurance and the car payment, $300 a month, we should be able to get something. And I'd already begun looking at cars. And one night I was praying about this. And in the middle of the night, as I was laying there in bed, thinking about and praying about this, I heard this voice in my head and it said, you know, your car runs fine. I'm like, come on, God, not the car. And he said, yeah, it, it runs fine. I mean, this is, the, this is either my thinking or it was God speaking to me by the Holy Spirit. But, but uh, you know, your car runs fine. I woke up the next morning. I said, Levon, I think I know what we're supposed to do. And she said, what's that? She's, I said, well, you know, my car does run fine. And I said, I think I'm gonna drive the rust bucket for another year. And... And I think the pay increase that we receive in January, we're supposed to commit that to the capital campaign for the rest of the campaign. And that was $300 a month. And I said, then a year from now, I'll get another pay, a year and a half from now, I'll get another pay increase and we can buy the car then. And she said, that sounds like a great idea. And so we made $30,000 a year. We gave $3,000 a year in our annual giving. And we made a pledge of $10,000 on top of that by giving up my next pay increase and postponing the purchase of a car. It didn't cost us really anything except our year waiting for the next new car. But when we got to the end of that campaign, I remember we moved into Wesley Chapel, our very first sanctuary here at Church of the Resurrection. And we doubled in size in one week. And there were all these people who we'd never seen before. And at the end of the worship service, Levon came up, she took my hand. I was gonna say the benediction. Danielle was holding my hand over here and Rebecca on the other side of Levon. I said, I just whispered to her, look around, you know, this is the return on our investment, is all of these people. There's more to the story, but I just want you to know what we felt is we felt blessed. We felt blessed in the midst of sacrifice. We felt joy in the midst of sacrifice. There was something powerful about investing in something that we felt pleased God, that honored God, and also blessed other people. 
All right, so fast forward. You know, over the years, we've, we make more money than we did then. We have given more money in every campaign that we've done. And we're going to give more in this campaign than we've ever done before. I'm not going to tell you the exact amount, um, but I want to tell you this is what we began thinking about is what in our regular income might we be able to, how can we tighten our belts a little bit and how can we give? And so we, you know, we decided, okay, this is an amount that's a meaningful sacrifice in our annual income that we can give on top of our tithe. And, uh, and you know, it, it's, it, it's not going to hurt us, right? But we, we're going we're gonna to do this. And then I said, you know, LaVon, we also, we have accumulated assets in our stock market fund. And our stocks, you know, they're down a little bit right now, but they've been up over the last five years in pretty dramatic ways. And, and I said, how about if we also give the same amount from our stocks, you know, over the next, and actually we started a year ago. And so, you know, for us, it's four or five years worth of giving in a three-year campaign, but it's four tax years. And we started a year before that. So I said, you know, let's do that each year. And she said, okay, I think that'd be all right. And so we had a, you know, a basic amount we were going to give that was a, a significant sacrifice for us. And I said, you know, I think there's one more thing I'm, spo- I'm supposed to give. And she said, what's that? And I said, some of my baseball cards. She said, that sounds like an awesome idea. Let's give away your baseball cards. And I said, just four of them. A few years back, probably five or six years ago, I started buying some really nice baseball cards that were collectible and they had some value. And I bought them, you know, at just the perfect time and the values have gone up significantly since then. Since then. And, and I love to have, when people come to my house, I always get them out and I show them to people, but the rest of the time they stay in a safe. And I thought I could give up these baseball cards. So I just thought I'd show you the baseball cards that I'm going to give up in this. These are things that I care about that I'm going to give up for something I care about more. So go ahead and put the baseball cards on the screen. So on the left is Babe Ruth uh, 1928 uh, baseball card. These came with the Babe Ruth candy bars. They were called the George H. Ruth Candy Bar Company. And if you collected all six, you got a free signed Babe Ruth baseball, 1928. Uh, up above is a 1934 Lou Gehrig baseball card. It was the last baseball card that was made before he benched himself and eventually uh, died of what today we know of as uh, we call Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. And that card means something to me because I've been with a lot of guys who have died of Lou Gehrig's disease. And so anyway, the next one below, below that is one of my favorites. It's a 1949 Satchel Page. It's his rookie card. He was 41 years old when he became a rookie, if I remember correctly, because he was African-American. He couldn't play in the major leagues. 41 years old. He'd been one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He played for two years and he came back and played one last year Eight years later, I think it was, he was 51 years old when he played his last Major League Baseball game. And I love that that's his rookie card. And then on the right is the Jackie Robinson rookie card. And uh, this is uh, his, you know, he broke the color barrier in baseball. It's a 1948 Leaf uh, Jackie Robinson rookie card. And uh, those cards uh, have a fair amount of value to them, actually. And I, uh, I was speaking to the youth group the other day, and I was telling them about this because I thought it might connect with them in some way. And I said, you know, I just want you to know this is, what, this is part of what LaVon and I are giving. And, you know, we're giving, you know, other things too, but this is one part of what we're giving. And, um, and, you know, some of the guys were really interested. And I said, I want you to know the conclusion I reached about these baseball cards and about this campaign is that I love you teenagers and the idea of reaching more teenagers more than I love a Babe Ruth baseball card in my safe at home or, or Lou Gehrig or Satchel Paige or Jackie Robinson. And so for me, this is one chance to say, God, I love the mission of this church and the things that it's doing more than I love these things that I have collected. So I'm donating them to the church. Then I'm going to help the church sell them because they won't know how to sell those cards for the, the real value, the maximum value of them. And that, along with stocks, along with, uh, you know, from our regular income each year is what our pledge is going to be this coming year. And uh, so I, I just share that with you to say, 
that I'm inviting you, if Church of the Resurrection is your church family, whichever location you go to, or whichever one you're associated with, to consider making a pledge over the next four years, three, four tax years, three years, that would help us continue to reach generations not yet born for Christ. Our children, our teenagers and their children, and ministering with other generations. I mean, that we might continue to be the church that God wants us to be, and you can make that possible. You can invest in these ways. I wanna, end, uh, I wanna begin to wrap this up by saying that uh, there are a couple of kids who, who have made commitments to this campaign already, and they really touched me. I thought they might touch you. One is Harrison. Harrison is seven and a half years old, and a couple of weeks ago, he was in Sunday school and learned about the capital campaign and what we were gonna be building, and he went home and he told his mom and dad that he wanted to have a lemonade stand, and he wanted to raise money for the projects for teenagers, for children and youth. And uh, this is a picture of Harrison. And I love this. He's got his B t-shirt on, our Resurrection B t-shirt on. He uh, accepts Venmo at his lemonade stand and he's charging $2 a cup for, for either pink or yellow lemonade. And uh, that day, you know, anybody who came by and they asked, what are, you, what are you doing? And he'd tell them, I'm raising money to help my church to be able to create a, a really great space for, for kids and teenagers. And uh, he raised $220 on that one day. And I just love that. There was something about seeing that picture of him. And I thought, he gets it. And here's what I know. God was blessed by what he did. God had blessed him. God was blessed by what he did. And other people will be blessed because of his sacrifice. And then when I spoke to this, the youth this week, I spoke to the middle schoolers first. And when I finished, I was walking out the door and one of our middle school students handed me his commitment card. And I, we hadn't handed them out yet in youth group, but he was at an event where I was speaking about this uh, a few weeks ago. And I didn't, I said, can I open this later on? Cause I'm running late. And so I put it in my coat pocket. So, oh, sure. And, uh, and so that night is 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. I opened it up and there was this commitment card and there was this letter. Dear Pastor Adam, my name is Daniel and I'm in the sixth grade. I've been filling out commitment cards and tithing my allowance since first grade. I heard you speak on August 29th and I decided to give to the capital campaign. I heard you say you were gonna give up something special to you, so I'm giving up something I enjoy. Over the summer, I saved and I bought a Nintendo Switch. I was gonna save and buy games. I'm assuming he has at least some games, but I'm gonna buy games. But I've decided to instead give that money to the church. I can't wait to see the youth center updated. And then inside, he's a sixth grader, so he's 11 or 12 years old. Inside is his annual ministry fund commitment on the left filled out. And, uh, and he was giving a uh, dollar a week, which I think was a tithe on his $10 a week that he made. And, and then uh, generation to generation commitment, he circled Leewood uh, because this is his location. And he made a pledge here annually. He made a pledge for his, uh, for his capital campaign, or actually it may be a one-time pledge, I'm not sure. But he made his pledge for the capital campaign. And I read this, I just want to cry sitting there in my office. And I'm thinking, here's a young man who really gets this. It's the rhythm. It's the dance. God has blessed us. We bless God. And we seek to bless other people. And God was blessed by his commitment. All right. So I want to wrap it up by sharing with you uh, just a couple of things. I want to remind you that our goal is to do all of these projects and not go into any debt and to be able to pay off the existing debt at the Leewood location. And at all of our locations, they're hoping to fund, the, they will fund the projects debt-free and they're hoping to pay down a little bit of debt. Here at Leewood, our projects total $46 million, $30 million in buildings. That is renovations to the student center, the counseling center, the building of the counseling center, the building of the permanent chapel. 
and then 16, roughly $16 million in, in uh, paying off our debt. And if we can do that, we have another $1.2 million we can spend on mission and ministry every year when the debt's paid off. So $46 million. And I wanted to show you, you know, what this looks like uh, at the Leewood location. And this is different at every location, but for Leewood, in order to do that, it would take, you know, this is our consultant said, a couple of gifts at $3 million. And uh, we received one of those. And a couple of gifts at $2 million, and we received a couple of those. And, and seven gifts at a million, and I think we've received maybe six of those. And seven at seven fifty, and we've received a portion of those. And uh, several of those, and the 500s. I, don't, I, I just know that there are people who are leaders in our church who have already made commitments in these areas. We haven't, we haven't filled up all the categories. I just know that there were people who said over a three or four year period, four tax years, I can divide that up by four and I'm gonna give in some way for that. And then we know there's a whole lot of people in this category who are gonna be giving. And over a four year period, a three year period of time, they're gonna give 3,000 a year. They're gonna give you know, 12,000 a year or something. But these, all these gifts matter, every gift, all the way down to we have 2,000 people who are gonna pledge less than $1,500 over a three year period of time. And that gets us, all of them play some part in giving, getting us to $46 million. And I don't know, can we do this? I mean, honestly, I'm not sure we can hit 46 million. I, I hope we can. I think it's possible. I'm not sure if we can, but I think we might be able to. But I think we can go a long way towards that. So what I would like to do is share with you uh, one last story, and then I'm gonna tell you how much has been pledged so far. So this is, uh, this is Rusty and Martha Carpenter-Smith, and I want you to have a chance to hear their story and how they came about making a decision. You won't know how much they're giving, but you will know the process they went through and why they're giving. Take a listen. My name is Martha Carpenter-Smith, my husband Rusty Smith, and we've been coming to the church uh, for roughly 27 years. Resurrection is the uh, foundation of my life. It has uh, been so instrumental in, and uh, certainly giving back, uh, wanting to give back to the community, both through church as well as just in how you treat people every day as you come in contact with them. It has been a wonderful influence. Martha uh, came home and after visiting Resurrection and said, you, you need to come check this place out. And uh, so I did, and uh, it, it was an, it's, it's been an awesome experience. I never thought in my wildest dreams I would get so involved that I would go on a mission trip. Uh, we went to Puerto Rico and we've signed up to, in January to go to Costa Rica and we've already made a provision uh, for the church in our estate plan. But when we met with our estate planning attorney the last time, he made a point of saying, if you are able to, if you have the resources, don't wait until you pass. Give during your lifetime so you can see the fruits of what you're doing. What the impact will be, uh, not only for members of the church, but for those that are generations yet to come. I think about what my parents uh, gave to me in the way of instilling religion and Christianity in, into my life. I want to do that same thing for children of the future. A dollar figure usually jumps to your mind. And I would encourage people, don't go with that figure. I mean, that's a good place to start, but then reflect and pray on it. We did that, and then Martha came up with a, a different figure, which I thought, yeah, that makes sense and we continued to think about it and she came up with another figure. And I said, no way. But, you know, we sat down, we thought about it and we sat down, we can do that, we can do it. And it, it's gonna be a sacrifice, but we can do it. It's important to us to, to make that commitment. And when you think about it, everything we have is God's. And to give back to God in, in this way is such a blessing. And 
We hope it will be a blessing to all those that come in contact with us through the ministry in the future. That's what it looks like when you're wrestling and you're praying and you're discerning and usually you come up with one number that seems pretty safe and then somewhere along the way, if you keep praying, you find God says, no, I think you can do a little more than that. I'm gonna invite you, if this is your church family, at any of our locations to be a part of the Generation to Generation campaign at the location that you are affiliated with. And if you're not affiliated with any of those, but Resurrection is your church family, you, you're, you, know, you consider Leewood your church family, I'd like to invite you to help us here and to be a part of that. And, uh, and if you are not a part of any of, these affili- any of these locations and you live outside of Kansas City, uh, we have a special part of this campaign for you. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. So I thought I'd just tell you where we're at as of today. So our goal is, uh, you know, $46 million. And uh, we so far, we asked our leaders to make their commitments early, our staff and our leaders to make their commitments early. And I want you to know, we have so far received 391 cards. And that's out of about between three and 4,000 cards we expect to receive. So that may be 12 to 13% of the cards, maybe 10% of the cards that have come in so far. And so far, the total that those folks have pledged over the next three years is $28 million. $20,166 of the 46 million. 28 million, 20,166 from 391 families. That's 61% of the total is, has already been pledged by those 391 families. And that leaves for us another 2,700 to 3,700 families who we hope will give. And you know, this is where you know, I, there may be some other large gifts out there. If, if that's you and you wanna talk about a, one of those larger gifts, please reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about that and how you, can, how you can do that. But for everyone to do their part, whatever that is, whether it's a child raising $220 in a lemonade stand or it's somebody postponing buying a car and choosing to give those funds or whatever it might be for you, I believe that God can use us to do something amazing. I just wanna invite you to, to pray and to say, God, help me to know what your will is for my life. And here's what I know, no matter what you end up doing, when we finish this and we see these spaces being used, you look and you realize You know, I not only was blessed by God, but I blessed God and I became a blessing for other people. And in the middle of all of that, you find yourself doubly blessed. Would you take out, uh, well, you can't take out a commitment card. You have it online, but I'm gonna hold on to my commitment card and I'd like to invite you to pray with me if you would. God, we pray for our congregation that you would help all of us to listen for your voice to be faithful in our tithes and offerings as a way of blessing you and to understand what we might be able to do to participate in the Generation to Generation Capital Campaign. Guide these who are watching me online or on TV, help them to discern and know your will. And if you're calling them to be a part of this effort, I pray that you would help them to know that and be excited about it and find joy. And I pray in all of this that we might recognize all of life is a blessing from you, that we might bless you in how we live, how we pray, how we praise, how we worship in our offerings, and that we might be a blessing to others. In your holy name, amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.